You're listening to the Telltale Podcast. Don't forget to check me out on all social media, on Patreon, on Teespring, and on Etsy. All links can be found on my website, telltaleatheist.com, or in the podcast's description. Welcome back to the Telltale Podcast. Today we're going to be talking about a woman suing the LDS Church for revealing information about her husband, reporting information to the police that her husband reported to them during confession. We're going to be talking about veganism and its status as an extremist position, possibly. We're going to be talking about the Australia bushfires. But before we get into it, I figured we'd take a look at some voicemails. So let's see what voicemails people left for me. Hey, Telltale, you're my favorite YouTuber ever, and I find the videos you post to be is so interesting and you've really opened my eyes to a lot of things about cults and I just really want to thank you. You're awesome. Bye. I appreciate that. That's awesome. I'm always glad when I can influence people's lives in some positive way. So thank you for thank you for watching. I I appreciate that very much. Hey, uh, how do you feel about the Bible maybe being just a guide to healthy living that people that like way too seriously? Like, you know, don't eat pig meat. Don't eat pig meat. A lot of you know uh, unchecked sex leads to a lot of unchecked diseases. You know, just uh, a lot of basic stuff. People intuitive, it knew intuitively. You know, uh, just thanks. This one was actually kind of confusing to me at first because the translation or the transcription or whatever for the voicemail was really piss poor. Like the the service I use for the voicemail thing transcribes it into text for me, and it was just confusing the hell out of me that the transcription was. So I turned the, the transcription off and just listened to it really closely and typed it down myself. So this is what I got. How do you feel about the Bible maybe just being a guide to healthy living that people just took way too seriously? Like, don't eat pig meat, unprotected sex, diseases, you know, just a lot of basic stuff that you know intuitively. The reason that, for example, pork is banned in Judaism, for example, in the Old Testament, is because during the lives of the people who were recording the Old Testament, or the, during the lives of the people who were experiencing um, the Old Testament, basically, the rabbis were also the doctors in that culture. And so they imposed a lot of restrictions on culture and society that was based on things that they saw happening that they didn't really have an explanation for. They saw that people got sick a lot more often when they ate pork, for example, rather than any other type of meat. The reason for that, we know now, is because you have to cook pork more thoroughly than other meats a lot of the time because the bacteria and and other things it's just harder to kill in pork so the restrictions like the dietary restrictions in judaism largely revolve around the fact that the rabbis were also the doctors and they saw people getting ill and were trying to prevent illness from spreading basically so as far as the question goes Maybe the Bible is just a guide to healthy living that people took way too seriously. Uh, the Bible was written as a divine book in a lot of cases. Uh, I, I mean, there are 66 books in the Bible, and each one has its own basically different aim or goal or message behind it. So 
I guess you can't really lump them all in together, but a lot of the books in the Bible were just parts of guides to healthy living for the time, for things that people understood to be the case at the time, even though they were misinformed because they didn't understand germs or anything like that. Hey, this is Rob, and I have a question with regards to the capital L-O-R-D and then the lowercase L-O-R-D and then the uppercase L and then lowercase O-R-D. Um, my brother's a Jehovah Witness, and he asked me to look into this. So he mentioned Matthew 22, 43, 44, and Psalm 110.1. Thank you. Really good question. So this is what your uh, brother-in-law, I think, I think you said your brother-in-law. This is what he's talking about. In the King James Bible, when it was translated throughout the years, the name Jehovah was in a couple of specific places, Psalms 83, 18, and once in Exodus in various different places. When the, the name of God was being written into the Bible, they had this superstition about using the name. Like the Jewish people who were writing the Bible had this weird superstition that you weren't supposed to use the name. Uh, the actual letters used in the Bible originally were YHWH in the, uh, the Hebrew and the Aramaic and everything. It was YHWH, not JHVH. We know that it was YHWH and not JHVH, like Jehovah's Witnesses claim, like you will find in the King James Bible, an older one. We know that because J's didn't exist until like the 1600s or something like that. It's just not JHVH. We just know that for a fact. So the thing that your brother-in-law is trying to point out and get you to recognize by citing the scriptures, Matthew 22, 43, and 44, and Psalms 110, I think, is there was some superstition that kind of survived about using God's name. And so they replaced almost every instance of the use of the tetragrammaton, which is Y-H-W-H. They replaced almost every use of it with capital L-O-R-D. And those two verses, where when they replaced it in those two verses, it makes them sound absurd to read them out. So what your brother-in-law is trying to do is get you to buy into this conspiracy theory that people are trying to hide the name, try to cover up the fact that it's really Jehovah, uh, where in reality, J-H-V-H, Jehovah, was a mistranslation from the start. It's Y-H-W-H. As I said, J's did not exist when the Bible was written. It, it, they didn't even exist until the 1600s, three, four, five hundred years ago. So take that for what you will. Uh, Jehovah's Witnesses just like to buy into that conspiracy theory. But when you push them on it, when you really prod and pin them down and try to get answers, they will typically admit to you that Y-H-W-H is what the Tetragrammaton translates to. The name is pronounced Yahweh, not Jehovah. But they'll claim that Jehovah is the modern English translation of Yahweh. I don't know why that matters, why they would be using the name in English when the name was not English to start with. Why aren't they using the name as the people who coined it originally used it, Yahweh? Kind of ridiculous, but 
there's your answer. That there, you can take that back to your brother-in-law. In fact, I think I did a video on it on my channel at some point. Uh, maybe I'll do an updated video, but you could take a look at it and uh, maybe show him if you want to. Hey, Owen, it's Tony. Uh, I just found your channel a couple days ago, and I've been loving it. Um, it's really great. It ties into a lot of things I've been interested in and reading about lately. Um, I was actually wondering if you had any book recommendations, things either about cults or, or religions or um, or really anything, fiction, nonfiction, whatever you like. Um, curious what kind of stuff you're into. Always looking for that. Yeah, keep up the great work. Thanks again. Uh, have a good one. I appreciate that. Um, I, let me give you my recommendations for just my favorite books of all time, okay? So my favorite, like, fiction books, I guess, are it, it's the Deathstalker series by Simon R. Green. I love that series of books. Hands down, my favorite series of all time. It's kind of a fantasy world. It's, it's like fantasy slash sci-fi. Absolutely love sci-fi stories. It's just so good. You got to read it. You guys have to read this book. I will talk about it until the end of time with you if you give this book a read. So anyway, that's my favorite book as far as uh, fiction goes. If you want to learn more about cults, I would recommend reading uh, Stephen Hassan's book called Combating Cult Mind Control. That's where he talks a lot about the bite model and a lot of the things that I talk about in my uh, in my videos and my other content. It's really, really valuable for kind of learning how cults operate, how they keep people subjugated pretty much, um, and everything else. And dude's actually written more than just that book. He's written another book called Freedom of Mind, I think. He wrote a book about Donald Trump and some other stuff. Really, really fascinating reads. You could give that a look. And if you uh, want to learn more about religion more generally, you could give the book a read. Um, it's by Richard Dawkins. It's called The God Delusion. You could give that book a read. That's pretty good. And Richard Dawkins actually wrote another book called The Selfish Gene. That was a really good book, too. That was a lot about biology, since I think Richard Dawkins is an evolutionary biologist. So that's actually, I could be wrong here. I think that's the book in which he coined the term meme. Surprisingly, Richard Dawkins created the word meme. So anyway, give those books a read. They're pretty interesting. My name is Michael, and I want to know your opinion on what is the better burger chain. Is it Burger King or McDonald's? The answer is McDonald's. Thanks. That's pretty funny. Um, I guess I'm kind of partial to Burger King, honestly, because I worked there when I was a Jehovah's Witness and when I was coming out of the religion. I worked there for like many years as a teenager and into my early 20s. And honestly, the food is higher quality than McDonald's. So I'm sorry. I apologize, Michael. I've got to say Burger King is better. But, you know, this actually is going to tie into what we have to talk about later on, which is veganism. So... Uh, put that thought on hold. We will get back to that in a little bit. Hey, Owen. My name's Remy. I wanted to ask if you know anything about a potential cult leader named Gary Blankenship. I live in Maine, and recently this man, Blankenship, has moved to a town called St. Agatha, and he seems intent on turning the town into his cult compound. It's really concerning. He talks about the locals like they're already dead in his mind. There's even this whole scare where his daughter... 
allegedly threatened to shoot up the local school, but both he and the daughter deny it. Uh, look up Sun Journal's article on it if you need more information. I can always share so much in 30 seconds. Thanks for taking my voicemail. I'm going to have to look more into it. You said I should look in the Sun Journal. I'm sorry. Look at the Sun Journal article. I will take a look at that, and I may end up covering that on the on a future podcast. That that sounds really interesting and possibly like something I should be talking about. So thank you for that voicemail. I, I greatly appreciate it. Okay, we're going to take a break. Uh, when we come back, we're going to be talking about the Mormon Church being sued by somebody. Give us about 30 seconds, and we will be back. You're listening to the Telltale Channel. Don't forget to check me out on all social media, Patreon, Twitter, Teespring, and Etsy. All links can be found in the description or on my website, telltaleatheist.com. The first article I wanted to take a look at here was called Woman Sues LDS Church for Reporting Husband's Confession of Committing Child Sex Abuse. This is going to be a pretty heavy episode, so let's give it a read and see what it says. This is by The Hill. Oh my god. You know what drives me absolutely... This drives me goddamn fucking batty when things play against my will. Like, they play without my permission videos it just drives me absolutely insane anyway woman sues lds church for reporting husband's confession of committing child sex abuse an oregon woman is suing the church of jesus christ of latter-day saints lds god their name is so long i really wish they'd shorten it but every single time i talk about them they've made their name even longer and they get legit offended if you don't use the, the long form one an oregon woman is suing the church uh they're suing the lds church for reporting her husband's confession of committing child sex abuse. Christine Johnson is suing the church for $9.54 million after her husband, Timothy Johnson, 47, confessed to church leaders that he's had multiple sexual interactions with a girl under the age of 16 and was subsequently arrested and convicted of sexual abuse, the Statesman Journal reported. The suit was filed in Marion County Circuit Court. Timothy Johnson, a member of the church in Staten, Oregon, was encouraged by his wife to confess and repent his sins in front of clergy and the official church court after she learned he engaged in inappropriate conduct with a minor, the lawsuit said, according to the newspaper. That is insane. This woman is legitimately suing the Mormon church for doing the right thing. She's suing the Mormon church for doing the right thing. Okay, we've been talking about Catholics and Jehovah's Witnesses, and every other religion under the sun doing the wrong thing with on these issues for how many decades? And the Mormon church does the right thing here and gets sued for it. This is absolutely mind-blowing. Now, this is one of the things that seriously bothers me about lawyers, okay? Lawyers are not all bad. I'm sure we all recognize that. But for some reason... They always come up with the most disgusting, messed up defenses of the most crooked things. So let's see what defense this woman's lawyer, or what prosecution, I guess, this woman's lawyer is giving. 
He was not told in advance that if he confessed, the clergy would report the incident to authorities. Bill Brandt, the family's attorney, told The Hill that the church's clergy violated the long-established privilege between it and church members. He criticized the church for not informing Timothy Johnson that such a confession would be reported and added that, con that confidentiality is key in confessionals, comparing it to the Catholic Church's practice. The priest can't say, boy, that's terrible. I'm going to go tell the police, he said. So there are a lot of laws on the books. Uh, I am not a lawyer, so I, you know, you shouldn't take my word for how the laws operate. But my understanding of the situation is, in most states, there is a protection where a priest can't be prosecuted for not telling the police about a, something like this during a confession. That does not mean, however, that the priest is legally barred from telling the police about something. There is a distinct difference there. The article says, it would shut down their system, he added, saying the church tends to handle issues internally. Oh, okay, so telling the police about a criminal act would shut down the system. What use is the system if it's not reporting these crimes. It's so completely useless to me. Why do I give a shit if the pedophile down the street reports it to his clergyman if the clergyman isn't going to tell anybody else? I don't care about your stupid system. Like, it's completely irrelevant to me. I want societal protection. That's what I'm after. It's just the fact that the lawyer even said that is so completely mind-blowing to me. That, that's seriously something I would expect to hear from the lawyers of Jehovah's Witnesses' mouth or the lawyers of the Catholic Church's mouth. It would shut down the system if we started reporting to police. You've got to be kidding me. I'm sorry. I just don't want these people to feel like their secrets are safe in society. I don't want them to feel like their secrets are safe with absolutely anybody. They shouldn't be. These crimes should be reported to the police. Bottom line, and the, the gall of this woman to sue the Mormon church for doing the right thing is absolutely disgusting to me. Good for the Mormon church for doing that, though. If this woman wins this lawsuit, I'm going to be upset because that is... Uh, giving negative consequences to positive actions. What church would be willing to report these criminal acts to the police in the future, knowing that they might have to pay an awful lot of money for doing so, and they have protections if they don't? That is absolutely wrong. Timothy Johnson was arrested in 2017 on charges of sodomy, sexual abuse, and unlawful sexual penetration and pleaded guilty to four counts of second-degree sexual abuse leading to a 15-year prison sentence. Good. Glad that dude is sitting in prison right now. The attorney said the incident has devastated the family. Oh, the, the inc which incident is that? Was it the incident where he was... He had his crime reported to the police? Is that the incident you're talking about? Or is it the incident that he committed? Is it the crime that broke up the family? They're trying to put the blame on the Mormon church in this case. The blame rests solidly on this pedophile's shoulders. It's 
his fault his family is fucked up now. Not the Mormon church's fault. They did the right thing. Here I am defending Mormonism. Did you ever think you'd see the day? The attorney said the incident has devastated the family with the lawsuit, saying the clergy caused the family to be deprived of his companionship. No, he, de he deprived his family of his companionship by committing a crime. Caused the family to be deprived of his companionship, society, love, and income, according to the newspaper. What a fucking joke, man. Christine Johnson is requesting $5.5 for emotional distress and the loss of his income and $1 million for each child. She asked for another 40000 to pay for her husband's defense attorney, the Statesman Journal reported. What a joke, man. I can't believe this woman is even trying this. Like, what a crooked situation. The lawsuit reportedly quoted the Doctrine and Covenants, one of the works of Scripture in the church, oh my God, in the LDS church, as saying, Behold, he who is repented of his sins, the same is forgiven, and I, the Lord, remember them no more. By this ye may know, if a man repenteth of his sins, behold, he will confess them and forsake them. Yeah, that's all fine and dandy, but that's not how society works. I'm sorry. That's how your religion works. That's not how society works. And this dude lives in society, and he has to follow society's rules. And he broke society's rules, and he's paying for it now. That's just how it is. And that's how it should be, honestly. This is a good law, and it's designed to protect people from other people like this woman's husband. I'm, I'm glad that this law exists, and I'm glad that this dude is sitting in prison right now. Because it honestly does not sound good, what he did. Eric Hawkins, a spokesperson for the Church of G Oh my God, there's that fucking name again. Uh, a spokesperson for the LDS Church told The Hill in a statement that protecting victims is a top priority for the church. Good. I'm glad to hear that, and I'm glad to see that they're living up to that in this one case. The church teaches that leaders and members should fulfill all legal obligations to report abuse to civil authorities, he said. In some circumstances, those obligations may be governed by their professional duty and in others by their role as clergy. Hawkins added that the church has a 24-hour abuse helpline. We are grateful for the efforts of law enforcement and prosecutors to investigate and pursue justice for those who were abused, he said in the statement. What an absolutely disgusting situation. To find myself defending the Mormon church is an absolutely bizarre situation, I have to tell you. Honestly, it, it says here Hawkins added that the church has a 24-hour abuse helpline. Um, why? Why, are, why does the church have that shit? They should be calling the police. They should just be contacting the police directly. I don't need a Mormon church abuse hotline or anything else. Just go with the police or secular abuse hotlines that exist. Like, they want to find themselves completely separated from society as much as they possibly can. I'm sorry, you live in society. That's just how it is. You have to follow certain laws. You have to follow certain rules. There are certain things that you have to do as a member of society. Reporting abuse to the police is one of those things. So, as I said, glad the Mormon church did the right thing in this case. Maybe this will be, a, maybe this is a sign that other religions may be folding. Uh, not holding my breath on it, but one can hope. All right, we're going to take a break. Next, we're going to touch on veganism. So, give us about 30 seconds. We will be right back. 
you're listening to the Telltale Channel. Don't forget to check me out on all social media, Patreon, Twitter, Teespring, and Etsy. All links can be found in the description or on my website, telltaleatheist.com. The next story I wanted to talk about is about a pretty touchy subject in the atheist community at this immediate moment. A lot of you guys, if you follow me on Twitter, then you'll know exactly what this is all about. It's the veganism situation in the atheist community. It is a mess at this moment. Let me give you guys just a quick heads up on this whole situation if you weren't on Twitter to see what happened. Cosmic Skeptic is a vegan. I'm sure a lot of you guys probably knew that. If you watch his channel, he talks about it, you know, fairly often. And he's been taking a pretty hard stand on it lately. He's been kind of talking about it a lot uh, on his channel, on Twitter, everywhere else. It's a pretty important subject to him. And it's gotten a lot of people up in arms. Now, I've talked to him myself privately, and he and I are on good terms. I think he's a good dude, really. I don't know that I completely agree with him on veganism entirely, and I'm going to get into my reasons for that in a minute. But from the looks of it, it sounds like I'm going to have him on my channel in the near future to discuss it. So uh, we'll see where that goes. But for the moment, let me just get my, my feelings on veganism down. And, uh, and talk a little bit about a cult that's kind of forming at this moment. So this is a kind of a heavy subject, as I'm sure a lot of you know, but we're going to have to talk about some tweets first. So let's take a look at some of the tweets that kind of uh, followed from this discussion with Cosmic Skeptic. There were naturally some extreme people as there are extreme people in every movement there are extreme christians there are extreme atheists there are extreme jehovah's witnesses and vegans and there every group has its kind of extreme sect right I'm, I'm sure we all recognize that we have to recognize when our thinking is getting too extreme to avoid the extremes ourselves right I started engaging with Cosmic Skeptic a little bit on Twitter on this subject, and the extremists kind of appeared and made themselves known. So I figured we would take a look at a couple of these tweets from people who had some very, very extreme positions and some people providing um, propagandistic information. So let's take a look at this first tweet thread. I said, since, it's, since this is relevant right now, my neighbor actually works at a slaughterhouse. He told me about it. He said it's not for everybody. Usually they hire somebody and they know within the first two hours if they're going to stay. Farmers bring the cows, pigs, whatever to the slaughterhouse. They take a gun and they shoot it right between the eyes. Lights out. Just like that. From there, they butcher it too. But the actual slaughter process is hopefully painless. Is it moral to do in the first place? And my, my tweet actually continued on to say, that's debatable, but at the very least, we should avoid or improve factory farming conditions. Factory farming maybe shouldn't even exist at all because of how cruel and disgusting it is. That was my, my continued tweet thread. So this person responded, and an important question I think you should ask yourself is, would you be willing to pull the trigger? If not... 
how could you ask someone else to commit an act out of your moral scope on your behalf? First of all, I wouldn't say it's out of my moral scope necessarily. Um, I don't necessarily believe that it's immoral to do. I, I didn't say that I think it is or isn't moral. I have not taken a position really on whether or not it's moral to kill an animal. It's heavily dependent on the situation, first of all. But anyways, my response to him was, me personally, I could pull the trigger. Yes. Do I want to? No. You keep misrepresenting my views. This is not the first interaction I've had with this person. I would love it if the world could be vegetarian, but many people just can't be. This thing will exist whether it should or not. We should make it as ethical as possible. The reason I say that it's going to exist whether we like it or not is because uh, the vegan options for protein almost entirely have high levels of carbohydrates. There are almost no protein options that don't have high levels of carbohydrates. And do you know what carbohydrates turn into when they you know, enter your body? They turn into sugars. Diabetics cannot consume high-carbohydrate protein sources because it will drive their sugar up and kill them in many cases. This is not a fringe situation. This isn't like half a percent of the population has this problem where they have to blah, blah, blah. It's not like that. This is like a pretty good portion of the population has to have a protein source that doesn't have carbohydrates in it. So one way or another, we're going to have to have meat available for the population, period. I know that that's not the ideal situation in your mind. I understand. But this industry has to exist or people will die. It is either people dying or animals dying, like large portions of people dying or animals dying. In response to that tweet, he said, I'm sure the same thing was said about slavery. Me, I couldn't pull the trigger. So he's saying that he's basically comparing this situation to slavery. He's saying that I'm like a middle-of-the-road person on slavery, basically. Or I would have been a middle-of-the-road person on slavery. I understand the point that he's making, but that is just straight up an extremist position that he's taking. Let's do this. Let me look something up real quick. 10% of the population of the U.S. population has diabetes. 10% of the U.S. population, okay? Diabetes is not the only condition that prevents you from eating carbohydrate-filled protein sources. There are other situations. There are other cases in which you have to have protein from a carbohydrate-low protein source. So what's going, what do we do here? Like, are we going to what, let 10% of the population die or what? Like, what's the option? Like I said, I'm prepared to talk about this with Cosmic Skeptic in the near future. So my positions may very well change on this. In fact, they probably will change, honestly, but time will tell. Let's take a look at this other tweet thread and see what it says. Somebody said in response to my tweet thread about 
Farmers bring the cows, pigs, or whatever to the slaughterhouse. They take a gun and shoot it right between the eyes. Lights out. Just like that. From there, they butcher it too. But the actual slaughter process is hopefully painless. Is it moral to do so in the first place? That's up for debate, but providing a good life for the creature beforehand should be an absolute minimum expectation either way. Factory farming is fucking wrong and should be done away with. In response to that, somebody said... My dad used to work for a slaughterhouse. He took me to see it when I was about six. You're right when you say they shoot the animal between the eyes so the animal doesn't feel any pain when it's slaughtered. The process is different for pigs. With pigs, they don't shoot anymore. Pigs tend to wake up in hot water as they remove its hair. The, S the SPCA didn't approve, so the new method is using an electric current to stop the pig's heart. I can't speak to the conditions on animal farms. I actually looked this up. I said, do you have a citation for that? My neighbor says he kills pigs the same way as cows or anything else. If that's the case, then it should be stopped because it's unnecessary and inhumane. He said, I can't remember where I read about pigs, but Wikipedia has something on it. So I went and took a look at the Wikipedia article because, you know, Wikipedia, I'm not going to count it out as a source automatically. It's, they have citations on Wikipedia. So if the citation brings me to something valid, something useful... I'll use it. But I ended up going to the Wikipedia article and, and looking it up, reading about it. And the process that this person was describing was not the slaughter process. It was the butchering process. They, they shoot pigs between the eyes just the same as cows and every, every other thing out there. They just kill them just like that and it's over. They do not let animals suffer on the vast majority of um, slaughterhouses, basically. Like I said before, there is, I, I'm willing to talk about a, you know, pop, maybe this shouldn't exist. Maybe it shouldn't. I don't know. I, I'm still thinking it through. And like I said, I'm talking about it with Cosmic Skeptic pretty soon. And my position will almost certainly change on various different things. But this is propaganda. That's what this is. This is propaganda. This is exactly the same thing that you find Jehovah's Witnesses spreading. Now, this person may have done it unintentionally. Maybe they were just uninformed. Maybe somebody else spread that to them and they picked it up. I don't know. But it was propaganda. It was uh, misinformation spread through a community with the intent to discourage certain behaviors or certain things. It, it's just wrong. It's incorrect. Like I said, I don't know if this person intended had bad intent or not. Probably not. They seem plenty honest to me. But yeah, that there is actually a, a a high level of propaganda going through this movement, the the veganism movement. Now on Twitter, I said this recently, and I'm prepared to back this up, and I'm also prepared to discuss it. Like I said a thousand times by now, I'm not dead set on this issue. I'm willing to hear, th hear people out, willing to hear new positions, and willing to think about my position on this, rethink my position on this. But at this immediate moment, as I'm making this, this podcast episode, I view veganism as an extremist position versus vegetarianism. I want to see less meat consumed. I want to see better conditions for, in fact, I want to see factory farming done away with completely, period. I don't want to see factory farming at all. But if I raise chickens myself and I take care of them well, am I morally in the wrong? 
for using their eggs if they're well taken care of? Am I doing something really terrible by using the eggs that they're getting rid of? Unfertilized eggs just sitting there. Is it wrong? Is it wrong for me to raise a cow and use its milk if it's well taken care of? The problem with veganism is the default position is no. It's not okay, period. Whether it's well taken care of or not. In, in some cases, you shouldn't be feeding your pets carnivorous diets like your cats and your dogs in a, a lot of extreme positions. There's no black and white. There's no nuance in the conversation at all. And there should always be nuance in conversations. The moment you take an absolutist black and white position on something is the moment that you've lost. I'm taking an absolutist position on that. <laughs> So I wanted to take a look at this, um, this interesting article by the New York Post. It's called The Cult Leader Behind the World's Fastest Growing Vegan Chain. I just want to say up front that this woman here is not a representation of the vegan community. I have a lot of vegan friends. In fact, there's somebody on Twitter and on my Discord and who's in a lot of my live streams, Evan Inge, a.k.a. Nucleomaniac, I think. Honestly, seems like an awesome dude. Seriously. Does super chats every now and then and things like that. Genuinely awesome dude to me. And he's a vegan. Being a vegan does not mean that you are a cult member. I, I don't want anybody to think that that's what I'm saying. I don't want to conflate this cult leader who owns the this vegan chain. I don't want to say that she's the leader for all vegans or something like that. I recognize that there are plenty of vegans out there who are 100% legit, really cool people in my book, and are honestly trying to do the best that they can for the environment, for animals, and things like that. So don't think I have anything against vegans. I don't. Absolutely not. But let's give this a, a read and see what this woman uh, is all about. A female spiritual leader who claims to be a divinely chosen supreme master of two million followers is behind the world's fastest growing vegan restaurant chain. Loving Hut, which has 38 locations in 14 U.S. states, is the catering arm of the mysterious supreme master Ching Hai. The now 67-year-old platinum blonde multimillionaires, is that a word? Multimillionaires? who goes by the name Celestia de Lamour in America, runs a worldwide spiritual organization which promotes concepts such as master power and time travel. Ching Hai has a monogrammed clothing and merchandise line, sells her own paintings and vegan fur couture. Okay. She also owns a television network and has staged a musical in Hollywood based on her poetry. Pretty big platform then. This woman seems like she's got a lot of money and, and a lot of assets and a big platform that people are listening to. High's movement was described as a cult in Time magazine after she donated $400,000 to then-President Bill Clinton in the late 1990s. Fascinating. Okay, um, this is the first I've heard of this woman, really, mostly. I find it really strange that they linked a political donation to a presidential candidate to being a cult leader um let's just continue reading 
HumaneWatch.org said Hai inspires feverish adoration like a kind of deity and travels in limousines to attend to her adoring faithful. But according to one of her spiritual empire's websites, Hai selflessly circles the globe to give the gift uh, all free of charge, of enlightenment. Her global loving hut chain has restaurants in the UK, Europe, United States, Russia, Southeast Asia, Africa, and South America. Her carefully constructed image includes a story of how she was chosen to lead the world with a number of mantras, including be, veg be vegan, make peace. Proprietors of Loving Hut franchise outlets in Australia told news.com.au they were high followers. Based on the Taiwanese capital of Taipei, where tens of thousands of followers donate to the master, high wears satin robes and elaborate headdresses. She travels the world delivering lectures on subjects such as breatharianism. Oh, that's fascinating. I need to cover this woman on my main channel, seriously. Love and inner awakening. I absolutely need to cover this on my main channel. However, there have been allegations of wrongdoing. The Taiwanese government has investigated Hai's organization for alleged fundraising improprieties, which include a transfer of $2 million outside the country. Oh, man. This sounds extremely fascinating, and I need to cover this more. So this woman sounds like a complete woke hippie um, new age nutcase, pretty much, to me. And the things that they described here do seem kind of cult-like, but I feel like the New York Post, the people who wrote this article, aren't really invested in cult research as much as me, for example. So they're pointing out things that seem really weird and kooky, but they're not really pointing out cult aspects to this, like shunning friends or family, uh, discouraging outside sources of information, black and white thinking, things like that. The breatharian movement itself is really um, concerning, and, and I honestly should have covered it long ago. It's like an, a fascinating branch of pseudoscience. So who knows? You know, maybe I'll cover this in the future on my main channel after I've done some real heavy research on this group, but it, it seems fascinating. The point behind this entire segment is, one, there is propaganda going around in favor of veganism. Two, I consider veganism versus vegetarianism to be an extremist absolutist position. And three, I'm open to having my mind changed on this issue, and that's what I hope to accomplish by talking to Cosmic Skeptic about it in the near future. So stay tuned for more information on it. Stay tuned to see how my mind changes, if it changes at all, and we will uh, hopefully revisit this issue at some point soon. Uh, we're going to take a break. Next up, we'll be talking about the Australia bushfires. A friend of mine, Nervardia, is having a little bit of a rough go of it at this moment and has taken this on as a serious issue that she really cares about for obvious reasons. So give us 30 seconds and we will be right back. You're listening to the Telltale Channel. Don't forget to check me out on all social media, Patreon, Twitter, Teespring, and Etsy. All links can be found in the description or on my website, telltaleatheist.com.
So as I mentioned earlier, somebody who I consider to be a friend, I guess you could say, somebody I talk to on a fairly, you know, I see her around Twitter, Nervardia. She does super chats and things like that on my channels. Uh, she actually, from my understanding, lives in Australia. And so this has kind of become a serious issue for her. Let's just take a look at this, the, the name of this article. A mega fire measuring 1.5 million acres forms in Australia as bushfires merge. A lot of you guys may be unaware of what's happening in Australia at this moment, but there are some serious bushfires happening right now. Like, it's bad. And apparently they have begun to merge and are causing an even bigger mess, killing wildlife. It's really, really horrific and, and sad and devastating, and I hate to see it. A megafire measuring 1.5 million acres forms in Australia as bushfires emerge. Australia's bushfire crisis worsened Thursday night into Friday as hot, dry, and windy conditions redeveloped across the country's hard-hit southeast, causing two large blazes to merge into one. So this is Thursday night into Friday. This was written on January 10th. I believe that that was... Yeah, that, that was on Friday, so January 10th is when this was happening, from the 9th to the 10th. The new megafire measures about 1.5 million acres, about the size of the state of Delaware, or roughly eight times as large as New York City. What we're really seeing with a number of these fires merging is a number of small fires started by lightning strikes across the landscape. New South Wales Rural Fire Service spokesman. That is a long title. New South Wales Rural Fire Service spokesman Anthony Clark told the Sydney Morning Herald. As they grow, we see fires merging, Clark said. Separately, an emergency warning was issued for a blaze in the Southern Highlands region, known as the Morton Fire, that threatened populated areas. As of midday Friday, firefighters were battling 147 fires in New South Wales, with one at the emergency level, the highest warning category, as a wind shift moved from south to north along the coast. It's really devastating. It's really, really sad to see. A lot of animals dying from this, honestly. This is just devastation being wrought on the planet right now as a result of some really stupid decisions that we as a species have been making. Instead of giving a shit about climate change, this is the end result. This is what happens. And I've said this before, said this recently. I don't remember where I said it, but I was talking to Mr. Atheist the other day about this, and he pointed out that if we think that we're going to bring everybody together in some kind of a kumbaya situation, people from Australia, people from France, from China, from the U.S., from Canada, from everywhere, if we think we're going to get everybody involved in fixing climate change we're wrong it's just not going to happen it's not going to happen we're not going to fix it that way pretty much in his opinion and in my opinion the only way we're going to be able to fix climate change is through technology through something like carbon capture devices or something i definitely think he's right on that issue so i hope we get some wealthy investors involved in funding the research to fight climate change, because I think that's basically the only way we're going to win the battle against it. Let's continue reading. The strong winds were reaching speeds of up to 55 miles an hour, 
lofting embers out ahead of fires to start new spot fires, and propelling the front edges of fires forward at high rates of speed, breaching containment lines. I actually, interestingly enough, I looked this up the other night, just by complete chance, totally unconnected to this article. A tropical storm uh, usually has wind speeds of about 70 miles an hour. So the fact that these wind speeds are reaching up to 55 miles an hour, that's pretty fast. Uh, that's just under tropical storm levels, and it's blowing fires and embers all over the place. So complete devastation at this moment. The emergency warning issued for the Morton Fire near uh, Bundanoon. I apologize to any Australians watching. I know I just bungled that, but um, I'm trying. So <laughs> give, me, give me credit for that at the very least. Let me try that pronunciation again. Bundanoon. The Morton Fire near Bundanoon advised residents to seek shelter, noting, it is too late to leave. Jesus Christ, man. This is scary. Protect yourself from the heat of the fire, the Royal Fire Service said. Emergency warnings were also issued for fires in parts of Victoria. Conditions were so extreme Friday morning that weather forecasters issued a severe thunderstorm warning for a fire-generated thunderstorm. Wow, man. In northeastern Victoria, specifically for damaging winds. The megafire formed when part of the east... Here's one of those words again. I'm going to fuck up. I'll try. The megafire formed when part of the East Orney Creek blaze collided with the Duns Road fire near the Clarks Hill Nature Reserve, near the border between the two states. This blaze will be even harder to put out and illustrates the scale of the disaster facing Australia. This article was written two days before this podcast is actually going to air publicly. So uh, January 10th is when this happened. January 12th is when this is airing publicly. By the time you see this clip, who knows when it'll be, but the devastation is not good now. I can't imagine what it's going to be in the near future. This is not the first megafire to form during Australia's nightmarish bushfire season. The Gospers Mountain Fire near Sydney is also the result of multiple fires merging into one, and it has repeatedly sent thick hazardous smoke into highly populated areas. While Australia has had fire seasons that have burned more acreage overall, these fires are unprecedented for their locations. According to Australia's Bureau of Meteorology, the fires in New South Wales are the largest in state history, and the burned area is the most extensive ever documented in Eastern Australia. My condolences to anybody in Australia right now. I'm so sorry that you're having to deal with this, and I hope that we can get it together as a species and do something about the cause of these fires and even do something to maybe help Australians deal with this massive fucking mess. I am so deeply sorry that you have to deal with this. Let's take a look at some uh, Super Chats. Leah Bryant says, are Rosicurikins a cult? I know people connect to it. I actually don't know basically anything about it. Um, I'll tell you what. Let me just pull it up real quick, see if I can find something on it. Rosicurikinism is a spiritual and cultural movement which arose in Europe in the early 17th century after the publication of several texts which purported to announce the existence of an unknown esoteric order to the world 
and made seeking its knowledge attractive to many. The mysterious doctrine of the order is built on esoteric truths of the ancient past. Sounds deep. Uh, that's fascinating. I Look, the hallmark of every cult, a connection to Freemasonry. Boom, right there. It's confirmed it's a cult. <laughs> I swear these people are like completely absurd. Like they don't even realize how absurd they sound sometimes. It's like that vegan I was talking about earlier, that vegan woman. Uh, just everything that she said and every word used to describe her just sounded like woo. Like it, it sounded like complete new age BS. And it sounds the same with this group. The fact that they sound absurd does not mean that they are not dangerous. I appreciate you bringing that to my attention. I may have to take a closer look and see if they are actually dangerous or a destructive cult in some way. Uh, that sounds very interesting. So thank you for the super chat on that. Nervardia, I should probably super chat you now. Thanks for bringing this up. And yes, I'm Aussie. It's devastating. You didn't have to super chat me. <laughs> thank you for the super chat. I appreciate it. And I know it is devastating. I'm so sorry to hear that you, you know, your country is dealing with that right now. It's really, it, it's been on my mind for a while. So I hope you're safe. I hope not jaw witness is safe and others who live in Australia. And I'm sorry that you're, 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 you're going through all of that and you've lost so many animals, you know, through this entire blaze. It's just been an ugly mess. So hopefully you come out of it. Okay. So anyway, that's where we're going to end the podcast. I appreciate you guys tuning in and giving this a listen, and I will talk to you next week. If you like what I do and you want to make sure I can continue to do it, you can support me in a few ways. First, you can support me on Patreon. That's probably the best way. But if you want to get something back for your support, you can check out my Teespring. I sell all kinds of shirts and stickers and stuff on there. Second, you can support me by checking out my Etsy store. I sell 3D printed stands for every system from the original Nintendo to the Xbox One. And finally, if you want to support me in other ways, you can check me out on my other channels. I have the podcast channel, which is where I talk about whatever's on my mind. Politics, social issues, whatever. You can also find it everywhere podcasts can be found. Or you can check out the videos on my main channel where I focus on destructive cults. As it is with most channels these days, I rely on the support of viewers like you to keep my channel alive, so sharing my work is extremely helpful. Anyways, check me out in all those places if you haven't already. Thanks for listening, guys.